To me, it's that realization of knowing who I am as my authentic self and asking myself, like, am I really showing up as that person? And I do often say, I'm like, I have never felt more in my authentic self in any role I've had, you know, as I do today. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today, we have an amazing, awesome guest coming on the show, Katie McPhee. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you on Katie has such an amazing background to share with us and go into. She is an experienced executive, sales leader, and pivoted her career to helping other corporate women achieve the goals, the career, and the income that they want to see in their lives and live a happy life, making their careers work for them and vice versa. And so she is all over LinkedIn with some of the best content. I've been following Katie for quite some time and was just so thrilled that she said yes to coming on the show because she gives it to us straight. She is so concise and she has so much to feed to all of us, myself included. So I'm fangirl over here and can't wait to dive in. Thank you so much for your time today, Katie. Awesome. Thank you. Like what, what a kind intro. I love it. (laughs) Well, I'm really excited and I have, uh, you know, planned all these great questions and I just know it's going to be gold. So let's dive right into it. And I want you to tell us, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back and really had you leaving your corporate career that, you know, was really your dream, the, the thing that you had wanted for your whole entire career. Yeah, I know. That's such an interesting question because truly my whole career, I was like, I own the prize. I want to be an executive. That was the path that I thought was right for me. And I worked so hard to get there. Struggled for lots of years, you know, got to clawed my way up. And finally, when I was an EVP, so I became a VP and then I was headhunted for an EVP role, which I thought, cool, more fancy. There's another letter, (laughs) lots of money. And about a year into that position, I just felt kind of miserable, truthfully. It was one of those things that I had my external goals front and center for so long. And I never really stopped to think about, is this what I want? Do I love doing this? Does it make me want to jump out of bed in the morning? And so a year into this position, I found myself on paper. My life was perfect. I had great partner, great kids, great house great job. And I just felt miserable in life. Truthfully, I was burnt out. I wasn't feeling aligned. And so I started doing some deep work into what do I want to do with my life? You know, do I want to keep doing this or do I want to maybe think about something else, which was very, very scary for me because a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being an executive. But in retrospect, this, this leap should not have been that crazy because I mentored women on the side. I was on the board for a local nonprofit called Women Powering Technology that helped women navigate their careers in male-dominated spaces. Like this was something I've been passionate about, but I'd never really thought about doing it for a living. So as soon as I kind of like opened that door for myself and allowed myself to think about like, wow, could I actually start my own business? Felt scary, but felt so exciting. I like couldn't unsee it you know, once, once I allowed myself to see it. Yeah. And so there's several things I would like to pause and break down in there because, you know, like you so similar, um, I, I went to law school, not with a goal of like being some specific kind of lawyer. I wanted really to help people. I wanted to have, you know, influence. And once I shifted to the corporate side, I, you know, that was it. I wanted to be a VP too. Thankfully, and I always remind my husband that he's older than me, that he had some wisdom to share as I was making those, you know, moves that 
you know, you know what else comes with that? You know, you have to do this and, you know, pay attention to what other people are doing. And I kind of align myself with some interior mentors who opened the door and kind of shed some more light on what that was like. And so I was able to pause and stop and ask myself those important questions of, is it really a title? Is it really the money? Or is it some other factor that is driving me to want that? And is that the lifestyle I want at the end of the day? Because yeah, of course I wanted the money and okay, I'll take the title. But at the end of the day, it was not going to be the lifestyle I wanted. And I had to really have a hard reality with myself to say, I don't need that to be successful on paper. Let me go ahead and shift gears before it's too late. Because I think at some point, um, and that's going to lead to my next question, I think at some point, when you do get there, and that's what I kept telling myself is like, I have a pretty, I, I, I called them my silver handcuffs. It wasn't quite enough to be like golden or platinum handcuffs, but silver handcuffs, that it was enough for me to still like, mm, am I going to walk away from this? How did you leave an EVP salary? Like, how did you come to Jesus, as we would say in Texas, to say, I'm going to leave and walk away from this big giant paycheck? You know what? I know it's, and this is why when I see younger people who are like, no kids yet, they're like 28 or 30 and they're like, I'm going to go start my own company. I'm like, yes, do it. <laughs> do it now. You got nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what salary are you really trying to replace to start? So to your point, there was that element. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I'm finally making a salary that I've been wanting to make for a long time. And am I really just going to throw it away? Like it was two things. So one was the salary piece. Absolutely. I would say the bigger piece for me was the ego, which is the thing most people don't say out loud, but truthfully, it was a lot of my identity is wrapped up in being an executive and how cool people think that is, right? How often people are like, Hey, you, you're breaking the glass ceiling. We love to see that. And I liked that feeling. And so a lot of it was tied up in, in some stuff I learned about myself, like the fact that I tied a lot of my self-worth to my external accomplishments and my external achievements. And so I was like, okay, if I'm not an EVP, like, who am I? Like, do I even matter? So the money was one thing that was scary. But what I told myself there was, okay, I'm going to give it like six months. I'm a very employable person, right? Like never had a problem getting a job. And so I thought, I'm going to give it six months. And if it's like crickets and nobody wants to work with me, maybe I'll look at getting a different job. But I'm going to give myself this runway where there's like very little pressure. And my partner was very supportive. He was like, give it a year. Do yoga for a year if you want. <laughs> so It was nice. Like he was kind of exaggerating, but I think he was just trying to be like, there is no pressure. Give yourself this bit of time and then you can decide. I'm either going to well, go and I love the. I love that you share that because I try to be really front and center with that too. Like my husband has an amazing career. We don't have any need for me to make money at all, to be honest. It is all because I feel deep inside that there's something I want to give, that I want to support people, that I just want to achieve. That is like a deep-seated driver in my body. But I do, when I talk to people and, you know, like try to be realistic about if, even if you're shifting gears to another career where you might have to take a lower salary to get started and ramp up, or if you want to take, you know, start a business that for some people out there looking to make those shifts, you know, there is a monetary component to think about where I could take a bigger risk when I was looking outside the box. So I love that you share that too, because I think, um, you know, being conscientious of that and then thinking backwards, there is still a way. I do, Nobody is going to ever convince me that you cannot find a way to get in alignment and, and work in a capacity that you love and works for your life, no matter mm-hmm. the financial. But I like to be honest that, you know, I didn't have the same stress as other people. Yeah. When I was a, I was a single mom for a period of time and I'm like, would I have done it as a single mom? Probably not. Like, honestly, I probably wouldn't have, I probably would have built it up bigger as a side hustle. So I did have a three month transition period where I was winding down my, my corporate career and starting to ramp this up. And I had some conversations. I, I already knew I was going to have a couple of clients right when I started because I started putting feelers out there. So I was fortunate in that way. Um, but yeah, had I been a single mom, maybe I would have probably waited. I would have 
create a plan for myself where, okay, once my revenue hits this, then I will leave. So I took a little more risk. It panned out. But yeah, to your point, it's like everyone has to look at their specific situation. Where there's a will, there's always a way. I love it. It is, it's trite, but it's so true. Um, and that's why it can, that, that saying continues to be utilized. So how did, you know, specifically, how did you trans, transition to coaching? Like, where did you get your first clients? How did you, I mean, you kind of ta- alluded to it in the beginning, but how did you really get the idea that I want to be a coach and I want to be this specific kind of coach? Um, and then how did you piece that part together? I mean, I have a feeling might have come naturally since you were in sales to begin with. Um, but for those of us that weren't trained in sales, I'm always interested. I know other people will be really interested to hear how, kind of like, how did you lay the groundwork? How did you go about getting feelers for clients, et cetera? Yeah. So it's interesting because my, my whole career is in sales. And when I, when I initially thought about starting my own business, I knew I wanted to help women. I knew I wanted to help aspiring leaders. But I also thought because of my background, I would have a much larger consulting component to my business. So my, my company is actually called Insights Action Coaching and Consulting, although I don't really do consulting now. Um, but it was because that was my comfort zone. I was like, okay, I'm doing this coaching thing. I became a certified coach, but I wasn't sure. I thought this is just going to make me better at what I do. And I'm going to do some executive coaching as part of my offering. But I'm going to work with people on sales strategy and business strategy and helping teams to work better together and stuff that I knew I was naturally good at. As I started down this path, so my first clients, to answer your question, one was the place I was leaving. Truthfully, like my EVP job, when I gave my notice, the CEO, amazing guy, great human, very supportive. And he said, we want to hire you to coach some some of the sales leaders since you're leaving. And so I thought, okay, amazing. So they hired me um, right off the bat to coach some of their people. And then because of my sales background, I was also approached, again, it's like, you know, good news travels fast. I was approached by a local accelerator that works with all the the startups in Ottawa, the tech startups and other startups. And we've got a good tech scene here. And they said, will you do some sales advising for founders for sort of accelerator stage founders. And so I said, sure. Like again, year one was like the year of yes. I kind of said yes to a lot of things. Yeah, you have to. I mean, well, you you just don't know until you try, right? Totally. I was like, one, I'm learning what I like. And two, they're going to give me money for this. So I'm going to say yes to it because there was some fear around not making enough money. Um, And so as I started down that path though, it was obvious to me pretty quickly what was lighting me up what I felt passionately about, the types of clients I love to work with. And so I pivoted my business pretty quickly. And in terms of all of my other clients, all LinkedIn, all LinkedIn. So even though my background is in sales, I have never done any outbound sales, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I just decided I'm going to start posting on LinkedIn every day about things I care about and things I want to share with the world, really with the intention of one, helping people Two, inspiring them, or three, letting them know they're not alone, right? Which is why my content's pretty vulnerable because one of my goals is let people know they're not alone. And I didn't, I truthfully did not expect the amount of interest that has come from that to come from that. Like I was, I was pretty surprised. And so, you know, I mentioned like I was kind of lucky with the way it worked out for me by the time, by the, at the end of the first quarter that I was in my business my one-on-one coaching was full. So just from, just from posting and trying to help people for free, you know, people would just naturally reach out and want more information or ask me what I did. And so it sort of just grew organically from there. Yeah. And you, um, are a LinkedIn top voice, which I am not ashamed to say I'm a little bit jealous of. It's like, you know, what I, want to do. I love, you know, being able to inspire people with your words is so amazing. So, you know, you mentioned that that was a good catalyst in your business. Where were you with LinkedIn connectivity when you started versus where you are today? Oh my gosh. So I started posting on LinkedIn just before I I launched my business and I was going to wait to launch my business and then start posting every day. I thought this is I had, there was no strategy behind it, really. I just thought, oh, I'll start this business and then I'll post every day. But I had started just writing content. Um, I had no idea how to write content. So in Jan, I told you I launched my business April 1st, 2022. 
in January, I had 1,200 connections, zero followers, and I never posted content. And then by the end of January, I had written some posts and I thought, okay, I'm going to start posting. Just going to start posting now because I have them written. I'm just going to see what happens. So yeah. So before my business, I was really nowhere on LinkedIn. I didn't really have a social presence there at all. I was, I was the person that would just post like job update or yeah. hey, I'm hiring. <laughs> like I was that person. It's so incredible, Katie. Honestly, that, that I just think that is like such a sign that you're aligned with what you're supposed to be doing, right? I mean, it came naturally and not that everything in life should be easy because, you know, there's always going to be challenges. But I think when you're really living in what you're passionate about, what you're meant to be doing and the stars align in that way, it's going to feel pretty natural. And that seems to be the case for you that, you know, you didn't have a master plan. You didn't have a coach. You didn't have strategy. You just started doing what felt good and it took off and people resonated with it. So everybody out there, I talk about it pretty frequently about the power of LinkedIn. Like I really believe um, in the power of LinkedIn and you should just get out there and start writing. If you have something to say, people, it will find people like just right from the heart, do what you know, what you love and what you care about. And I really think it can help people. I think that is so amazing. I did not know that. I must've been one of the early people then, because I, I guess when uh, I connected with you, I just assumed, you know, you'd been doing it for a while. That's why when I asked you before, you know, when did you start? And it's only been an, a year and a half because I just think it's absolutely incredible. Like more power to you. Kudos. I love it. So how did your writing go? Did you just kind of like, did you work with anybody or did you literally just start writing? You know what I did? And, and this guy's going to appreciate this plug. I bought Justin Welsh's Aha! operating system course for $150. Do you really think it was that good? Because I honestly, the other day was like, maybe I should just buy this dang thing. <laughs> I've been following him forever too. And I was like, maybe I should just get it. It's $150. But, so this is, I was starting to think about, should I post? But I felt a lot of like fear because I grew up being pretty shy. I had a lot of limiting beliefs around writing because I did science in school. And I always told myself, I'm not a writer. I'm like a numbers person. I don't know why I had that story that I told myself, but I just told myself that for years. And so I just assumed I wasn't a good writer. And so I was thinking about writing and I saw him post one day, must've been in January, 2022, something like I have this thing that will teach you how to build an audience on LinkedIn. And I'm like, that seems like a good deal. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to buy this thing. Yeah, it's probably 200 Canadian because <laughs> the exchange. But I thought well, the worst case is I waste this money. The best case is I learn something, right? And so I did it and full transparency, I didn't even finish the whole thing. I probably did half of it, but that was enough for me to show me what does the structure of a post look like? I just had no clue, right? I was like so green. What should your profile look like to optimize your profile. My profile was not optimized. I had like the default background graphic and all that stuff. And so the, the amount of low hanging fruit for someone like me at that stage, like everything he said was like pure gold to me because I had so little knowledge. So for you, if you've been doing it for a while, it may or may not be as groundbreaking. Like for me, everything he said, I was like, Oh, I, what's a hook? I never thought about writing a hook, right? So it really was the thing that partly gave me the confidence and gave me the like a system and structure that would allow me to get started, which is really what I needed, right? It just felt way, it felt so overwhelming. I needed someone to be like, this is step one, do this. And then I would do it. And it's of course evolved over time, but that was the thing I needed to get started. And so all I committed to myself, I said, I'm going to post every weekday for a year. So I had no goals around followers or viral posts or engagements or anything like that. I didn't even know what a good engagement rate was at that point. So I just said, my goal is going to be around the process, right? The journey. So I'm going to post every weekday for a year and I'm going to see what happens. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it really is amazing. And just showing up half the time is half the battle. Uh, and that's what I've seen with a lot of people on LinkedIn that you show up every day, five days a week, whatever it is. And, you know, you make authentic connections. Like there are real people there, real connections to be made, real business to be done together. So I think that's amazing. 
I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. What would you say is the biggest breakthrough you've had in your career? And now you've had sort of two careers, so maybe you have more than one. Do you mean like realization? Yeah, where things just happened. Like, you know, this was the moment of clarity that you broke through and something magical happened. I would say it's been this transition to coaching. So I, I wanted to be an executive so badly for a long time. And I believe I became a good executive. Like I was good at my job and it was going well. However, I was not really able to lean into like my full authentic self as an executive, the way I'm able to as an entrepreneur and as a coach and being able to live every day and do creative things I love and to really be like a hundred percent me in my zone of genius. A lot of the time has been like life-changing. Like it's just improved the quality of my life so much. I, I often say like, I would never go back. Someone was asking me once, I think they're like, what would it take for you to go take like a, you know, another EVP role or a C-level role? And I'm like, honestly, like, I don't think I would do it. I'm like, maybe a million dollars a year. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then I do it for a couple of years, but, um, I love what I'm doing so much. And I, yeah, I, I just find it gets better and better as it, as it evolves. But to me, it's that realization of knowing who I am as my authentic self and asking myself, like, am I really showing up as that person? And I talk to a lot of my clients about, about this idea. And I do often say, I'm like, I have never felt more in my authentic self in any role I've had, you know, as I do today. Yeah. And, and I always felt, you know, in a corporate world, how do I put this? I was myself, like I am pretty authentically me most of the time. Like if I, I'm high, you know, hyperbolic to, I get high, you know, I might get loud and animated, um, with my team. Um, and I will make, but I'll make jokes and have people feel welcoming. Like I try to not be too stuffy, but I find, like you said, um, I still kind of buttoned myself up, right? Until I left corporate America. And it made me think, I'm going to see if this shows up on here, that one of my best friends who I went to law school with, who also works in a professional role, she sent me this other day about like these two ladies on this uh, Instagram called Linda. Yeah, Uh, It's an Instagram account. And I was like, is this going to be us? And this is really my goal, Katie. And I feel like that's the vibe you're giving is like, you want to be free to be you. If it means being a little bit silly, it doesn't mean you're less than. If it means that you have an off-color joke, it doesn't mean that you're not professional or you're not as equipped as the man sitting in the room. Um, But I think sometimes when we're in corporate America, corporate Canada, I don't know what the equivalent there would be (laughs) corporate America, Um, then you kind of just put yourself in a box. And when you made that decision to say, I'm going to go off script here and I'm going to do something totally different, it kind of gives you that leeway and the leverage to lean into who you really want to be and who you want and how you want to show up every day. And I love that. And I am so excited for you that this is just, you know, so clearly what you're supposed to be doing and that you're enjoying it so, so much. So on the flip side of that, what do you think has been your biggest failure? And it could be, it could have been from your corporate. Um, but, um, I always like to show, you know, a little bit that we're not perfect. What's some hardship we've had? Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. I feel like, I mean, I failed a million times. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think for my, um, I mean, I, I would say, well, this is not exactly a failure, but you know, there have definitely been 
opportunities, like places I've been where I've stayed way too long, where I was like, I was banging my head against the wall. I was in the wrong place. I wasn't being valued. I wasn't being, you know, appreciated. And I just stayed like, because I either believed in the mission of the company or I just didn't want to give up. And so I think that was a failure in terms of making the right decision for me. So, I mean, I've made the wrong decision tons of times, so I can give you a bunch. The first company I was at, I left, did not buy my equity. They went public, lost out on that. Oh no. Talking to my old boss about joining Shopify in 2010. And you know what I said? Nah, I'm not really into (laughs) e-commerce. So there's another one. Then there was a company I was at for a long time. I left. I spent a whole bunch of money buying my equity. They went to zero. (laughs) Oh gosh. And other times, right? But there's, but there have been my fair share of failures too. And I think that's just part of the journey, right? You have to just be like, that's where I was at that time. I made that decision. It was the best decision I felt I could make at that time. Maybe it was wrong in retrospect, but would I be here if I had made those decisions differently? Maybe not. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like, I try to look at my life as I have very few regrets. I mean, one that I have is not staying home longer with the birth of my children. Um, I did with my third child, but my first two, I didn't. It's one of the few things I really regret. So I tell people, it doesn't matter how gung-ho you are, how hardcore you are, how much you want to achieve, like you cannot get that back. And it is one of the few things that I really regret. But most of the time, I don't regret anything because exactly like you said, did we make failures? Did we make missteps? Sure. But did it lead me to here? And I love where I'm at and I love my life truly. So I can't wish and hope what would happen. I mean, gosh, I could have a different husband if I made a different choice in life because you maybe didn't meet the people. So um, don't have regrets, but I want people to lean into something else that you said of if you're not feeling valued, if you're not where you want to be or feeling um, like people see you in the light that you want to be seen or paying you what you think you're worth or there's some other doubt inside of you, you need to explore that. Okay, don't get complacent because I truly believe that seeps over into your life. That causes, um, you know, hits your ego. It causes doubts in all your abilities. And if you're having discomfort at work, I mean, there's normal discomfort, but if you're really unhappy deep down and you're masking that for other comfortable reasons, it will seep over into your overall feeling of happiness in life. And so I just, you know, I know you had a post the other day and we'll we'll dive into that a little bit too, um, about people passing over their dream jobs. And that's something I talk about all the time where women are like, oh, I I only check seven of the 10 boxes. I can't apply for that. No girl, you can, you can. And other people are, men are, and they're going to walk up. (laughs) Yes. And they're going to kick their boots up on the table and act like they own the place. So you got to know that wherever you're at, you can be somewhere that values you the way. And it's not as hard, especially right now, there's a million jobs. So I just, I love that you said that. I want people to really focus on that too. Um, because at the end of the day, you're just delaying the, the inevitable. If you're not happy now, you're probably not going to get ultimately happy there. So like you're just using an opportunity to cost. So on that segment, you know, you you touch on a lot of topics that I feel like are so near and dear to me. Um, how can we get women to promote themselves and ask for what they deserve? Like, how can we really, you know, um, I feel like that's just something I did learn early on and what I have been talking to people about in my corporate life. Like I was personally mentoring people. Mm-hmm. Um on all of those topics and like being the cheerleader and being like, you can do it, do this, do that. Like, you know, position your resume this way, ask for that. Sometimes it sinks in, sometimes it doesn't. What can we do, Katie, to help women? I know. Oh my gosh. So many things, so many things. So there's a few of the topics that I talk about and think about and post about are negotiating salary, applying for more senior jobs, you know, trying to apply for those jobs where you don't meet hundred percent of the criteria and also just getting more women to senior leadership, which is my ultimate goal, right? I want, I want to see more women with a seat at the table. And so when it comes to negotiating salary, 
One thing that people, that companies can do is post that you're allowed to negotiate the salary. So there's actually data out there that when it, when it's posted, salary is negotiable, women will negotiate. So there's this belief that women never negotiate salary and it's not totally true, but when, when the post does not explicitly say it, women are much, much less likely to, uh, negotiate compared to their male counterparts. And so, so there's that piece. There's obviously the piece with applying for jobs. And this is where I love that you mentor women in this area. So do I, I think we need to just continue sharing these messages, right? It's like, be a broken record. I will just keep saying it over and over because a lot of women, it's not that they're, it's not that we're saying to them, Hey, apply anyways. And they're saying, Nope, I'm absolutely going to wait because you know, I'm not willing to take the risk. Oftentimes they don't feel like they're allowed to apply, right? It's like, it's like a lack of belief, but also like a lack of knowledge that this is, it's a-okay to apply. And that's partly the way we're conditioned, right? A lot of girls are conditioned to be good girls and follow the rules, put up your hand and all of that stuff. And so we look at it, we're like, well, I don't meet the criteria. I can't apply. Whereas boys will push the envelope a little bit more. Um, and I'm like you. So the reason I talk about this a lot as well is I was the one that applied. <laughs> so I often share that yeah. stuff where there was a job I really wanted. I did not meet the criteria. The criteria was like, must be fluent in French, must have a PhD, <laughs> must have experience selling capital equipment, like all of these things that I did not have. But I loved the, the space that this was in. I felt really passionate about it. It was re- very cutting edge. I knew I was a fast learner. And when I'm passionate about something, I will go all in. And so I believed in my heart that I could do it, even though on paper, it looked like I did not qualify. And so I was like, I'm just going to try and see. And then sure enough, after many, many interviews, um, I did end up getting that job. And so I like to share that with people because it's an example where sometimes you can take that risk and it will pay off. Yeah, it's it's... It's totally living out. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yes. So I just, that's what, I, it, what's the worst case that can happen? They don't call you. Okay. You're you the follow same. up and they don't call you again. Then you move on, whatever. But it's like, what does it, I, I, that's what I don't understand in some people's psyche. I truly struggle to see, like, I'm telling you, just apply. And there's like this wall of resistance that I, I, I just have never had that thought process, even though my sister is that person. My sister is like a mirror opposite to me. And, you know, I I I just sometimes feel like a broker of record telling her like, you know, this is what you can do and you can do this and da-da-da. And she just hasn't come around to seeing it. But there's no law against it. They're not going to penalize you. You're not going to be in a black box. You're not going to have any issue. It's just they may not call you. Okay, so what? The the positive of it is that you might get a call back and like Katie McPhee, you might get the job where you didn't meet every qualification. There's huge upside and literally no downside other than to 10 minutes to apply. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's fear, right? It's It's fear of rejection. And so maybe this is where having a sales background helped me because I got rejected all day long. <laughs> It was funny because I thought about this. So I've had a lot of great outcomes, right? You know, I've I've grown my following a lot. I've got a lot of clients. My business is growing and all, you know, lots of people invite me to be on their awesome podcasts like you. But I was thinking about this the other day because there are a bunch of people who I've approached or who I've tried reaching out to for whatever reason, because I admire them. They never got back to me. I don't think about it. I never think about it, right? I'm just kind of, that's a bit of my personality. It's like, I'll take a shot. If it doesn't work, that's okay. If it does, cool. Because I think part of it is is acknowledging that it's highly unlikely to be personal. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what it is for me is that when you're applying to a job, it's like nameless, faceless. Like, who are you even applying to? It's a big company, whatever. Um, what hurts me and where I think I find more resistance with myself is when it's asking something of people closest to me and then they don't help me or like don't support my, you know, new engagements or whatever I'm doing. That really does hurt. And that has 
in some ways kept me from sharing as much as I want to share or asking more people in my real life, uh, a daily life, um, because I have not necessarily been rejected, but just ignored. Um, and that does hurt. But when it comes to big companies or ask, you know, I'm the, the same. I've reached out to people for different stuff um, for the podcast or um, for some of my LinkedIn initiatives and other things like that where I never got a response and it did not bother me in the slightest because I don't even know them. Why am I going to let somebody that I don't know in real life bother me? Yes. It's not personal. It's interesting that you mentioned the people close to you thing because that has happened to me as well. And that does hit differently, right? Yeah. Where it's people in your life. But yeah, for me, if it's a stranger, I'm not wasting any any mind space. No, not at all. And um, I did want to circle back because I wrote a note about this when you said they include salary negotiable. Um, I wanted to highlight there that words are so important, right? Like the words we use, because a lot of times what we do see on a job posting is something to the effect of salary commiserate with experience. That to me means the same thing. Like, what is my experience? That's um, not, that's subjective, right? Like, so I can paint a picture for that. But changing that word to salary negotiable click something in our lady brains that helps us be more okay. Um, so that's really interesting uh, because my personal opinion is, you know, that companies don't really have a big obligation to give you the top pay. You know, you do need to ask to some degree. I really don't think like if it's a hundred thousand dollar salary, why should they offer you a hundred thousand if you didn't ask for it right away? But something like changing those little words I really could get behind a push for corporate to do that. Um, that I think I really like, and I had not read that. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. So what is something that you wish you knew earlier in your career? Oh my gosh, everything. If we could have our 40-year-old brains when we were 28, wow, I would have been like killing life. <laughs> All the time. I'd take like my 25-year-old body, but I'd take this brain. <laughs> I think you look pretty good. I don't think you need to worry about it. <laughs> um, you know what? It's, it's, it really, I'm going to take it back to the authentic self thing because again, like when I think about me in my twenties, I cared so much what people thought of me. I just, and it was maybe like, you know, not as much as I did as a teenager. That was probably, you know, the most, but like as, as a 44 year old now, like I love myself. Like really, like I, I think, I think I'm awesome and I love helping people. I feel like I know who I am and I really lean into like who I am, what I like. I surround myself with people who fill my cup. And so that would be one thing. If I could go back to like my 25 year old self, I would, that might be the biggest one. It might be people related. I might say if people, whether it's at work or outside of work, don't fill your cup. Don't energize you. Don't make you feel good. Don't give them your time. Like I think about how much time I spent with people who didn't make me feel very good. Yeah. Yeah. And chasing those relationships where there are their work relationships. I, that, Ooh, that touches home a lot because that was probably my biggest eye opener as a young adult, teen to early twenties is chasing down relationships where people were clearly not invested the same way I was. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that I had to let go, that not everybody was going to be for me just because we had known each other since we were two. Um, and I think that goes for work too. Mm -hmm. um, that if it's not serving you, you're not committed. I mean, it's just like they say about your family. You didn't pick them. You don't have to like give them all your energy. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully mm -hmm. they fill you up, but if they don't, you know, surround yourself with those that do. And it's even just like asking for what you want. Like, I, I feel like I spent time with people that maybe didn't, didn't make me feel good, but I also was not vocal about yeah. either. Right. Like I, I just, you know, I, I think growing up, I was, I was shy when I was younger and I think I had just like a lot of stuff, a lot of like limiting beliefs about who I was and whether I was like cool enough or good enough or people liked me. And so I would put myself in situations where 
um, I probably just, yeah, I, I maybe wasn't showing up as my authentic self or I was letting people, I want to say push me around a little bit. That sounds like maybe a little more like that there's intent on their side than there might've not been, you know, but, um, I was kind of like that more pushover friend in a lot of ways. And that was largely on me to make that change. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it goes for, you know, as a boss, um, what do you need more feedback? Ask for it. Um, if you want an opportunity to grow your resume with a project, ask for it, raise your hand, be pushy about it if you have to. It's like small things can make a big difference. A lot of times people are not intentionally being selfish. They're just focused on what is right in front of them in their little box. And that can include some mentors, bosses, you know, executives, whoever it is. And sometimes they need you to step up and say what you're looking for and that they will guide you. But a lot of times, you know, I would say seven times out of 10, people aren't just standing around waiting to say, what do you need today, Katie? How can I help you? You need to share with them. And I found that when you do ask, most people are so willing to do it. I mean, there are some people that give lip service, pay attention to that, get rid of them. Okay. <laughs> just no, don't waste your time. But I think a lot of people are really willing to share their time, their expertise, their guidance, their mentorship. People love ask, you know, successful people love when you say, how did you get here? What can I do? How can I be like you too? Don't be afraid to do that in your corporate life. You know, I think that goes a long way and it shows people that you want to grow. Yes. You bring us up to a great point about mentorship because oftentimes people who are later in their career want to give back. They're happy to provide mentorship. And I always tell young women, make sure you're making the best use of that. So show up. I've had people ask me to mentor them and I've said yes. And I've seen both sides of the coin. Like I've seen people that showed up, notebook full of questions, like, oh, you mentioned this book the last time we spoke. I read it. These are my thoughts. Can we talk about this? And like, that's just like a joy. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to give you my time. And then there have pe been people on the flip side that like they come hoping that I've got an agenda. <laughs> you know, where they really want the mentor to do a lot of the work, which is a tough ask. Because typically, if you're at that point in your career, you also don't have a ton of time, you know, to necessarily put into planning. And so the goal is have your mentor give you some time, but you show up prepared with, you know, be on time, show up for the meeting, come prepared with topics, and then just learn from these people. Because to your point, You'd be surprised what people will say yes to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So just two more questions and then we will wrap up. What is the number one thing or kind of like agenda item you would say you work with cl clients on? And could you give us like a really quick two minute mini coaching, coaching lesson so that people see what Katie is all about and uh, maybe it, it if it's something that many people struggle with, I'm sure it's going to touch upon, uh, you know, a large part of the audience has experienced this as well. Yeah. So I would say I work with two different types of clients. I work with executive clients one-on-one, -on -one, and then I work with aspiring executives in a group setting. So I would say, I guess at the I'll do the aspiring because there's more of them. There's so yes. many. Um, the number one challenge they have is convincing the people around them that they're ready for that next step, right? So that combined with a lack of confidence. So they kind of feed on each other, right? Because it's like, my boss doesn't think I'm there yet, but then that's, and then that's also killing their confidence. And then they're not feeling confident to bring them their best self forward. So this is a common, common thing. I also struggled with this when I was stuck as a director for a bunch of years, trying to become a VP. I wasn't really bringing my best self forward in terms of showing up as an executive. And it was partly that no one had told me what that looks like. I didn't have great mentors. And so I struggled for years. And then I joke that I thought about this more than any person on the planet. And so that's why I work with these women to help teach them. And so I often say the things you need, if I were to say three things that you need to get figured out to get to that next step. If anyone listening to this is trying to get that to that next step in their career, whether it's like director to VP or manager to director, 
First is the mindset piece. So doing the work to, you know, become more confident, bring like, have a positive mindset, be willing to learn, but also come across as somebody who is confident. The second is your communication style. So communicating in a way that um, is going to land well with senior executives, right? And I've got frameworks around this. So if people want to go check out my website, you can probably find some of the stuff there. Um, but really, you know, ensuring that you're prepping for meetings with them and that you're really being intentional about the way you frame things. And the third is setting yourself up for success with the right habits. So whether that means blocking out deep work time, which I'm a big fan of, or ensuring that you're starting your day with foundational habits like exercise or meditation, these are all things that are going to help ex- accelerate your career. So, Yep. I love it. And I will say, somebody I was working with on executive compensation um, a while back, um, who had been a long time, you know, business unit VP, and then moved up not to an EVP, but to a corporate wide VP role, and went to their first board meeting. And here, this is why people need somebody like Katie, right? That you can talk about what are these things that people expect of you for corporate and for executive. Well, she shows up at her first board meeting, and her immediate boss couldn't make the meeting. And so she got put on the hot seat of a question that she wasn't quite prepared for. She recovered like a pro because she is a pro, even though she hadn't been at that level. She's just so, so good. But it's those kind of things where you take in, if you're invited and you know you want to be an executive and you're a director and you're invited to a board meeting just to listen, you need to focus on all of these things. Like what is going on in the room? What is the speaker doing? What are the other people doing? What do they come with? Who do they ask? Um, because she didn't know and her her boss should have given her some notes. She didn't know to ask because she did not think she would be put on the spot since he was not there. So it's small things like that that can, I think, be really tricky. Um, I've don't have executive experience per se, but I've been in a lot of boardrooms and I've been put in the hot seat myself. And so um, I know enough to talk around those, but those are some things that I've talked to people about where I think it's a little bit challenging when you get into the room if you have not been in the room a lot. Um, And if you don't have the right mindset, that can be a hit to your ego, right? Like, oh my God, I bombed, I embarrassed myself. At the end of the day, the CEO of the entire company, it made it clear but in a subtle way, again, you have to learn how to read the room that they shouldn't have asked her the question and that the person asking the question should have already known that, the answer. So at the end of the day, it didn't look bad on her and she was able to kind of get that feeling, but she was still panicked. Like, why was I left in this situation? Totally. And you know what? As somebody who like, you know, I was, I was not a studious student. Like I was pretty smart and I tended to do well because in science and math, you don't have to memorize, you just have to understand, right? So I got away with that. And then I was in sales and I was, I was kind of like a wing it person. Like this is not something I'm necessarily proud of, but I would tend to just wing it. I didn't spend a lot of time prepping for the things that I did. And so this was a rude awakening for me. So I always talk to people about prepping because when I joined my first senior leadership team, I sim like same kind of thing where I remember being in a management meeting and it did not go the way I wanted it to, right? I brought something up, but I hadn't really been well enough prepared. It was kind of like an off the cuff. And I realized like, oh, I can't do this here. So, they will pick you to death. Third lesson. <laughs> yes, yes. And and that's, you know, and, and what I found was the most eye-opening and then we'll, we'll wrap up with the last thing I had. But um, when somebody asked me a question that was like very, you know, tan- tangential type of question, I did not know. And I just said, you know, something in the fact of I'll have to come back with you to you with an answer. At the time, I don't even know if I was 30 and I was in the big corporate uh, Fortune 500 boardroom. Okay. The CEO had a response and it was so good. And I was thinking to myself, this is why you're the CEO. This guy was such a freaking genius. They literally somehow pay attention to all these little side topics. um, And it was just magical. And I was like, well, you look good and you saved my day. And I was like, oh, you're so amazing. (laughs) But 
really, um, it is a different world in there. It just really is. And you have to have like, I don't want to say it's dog eat dog, but sometimes it is, it's like people try to one up each other who is better. And it's like these little kind of political games in the boardroom. Um, so you got to be prepared, work with Katie, you know, she'll help you get prepared. <laughs> so the last question I had is what is next for Katie? Is there any upcoming projects, secrets, a book, anything interesting that you can give us some inside track to? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things coming. I'm like, I'm an ideas person. <laughs> so yay. Me too. I love that. Uh, so, so the big thing that's happening right now is I'm actually in the middle of a marketing launch for my group program, which opens up in, um, in the fall. And that's for women who want to be executives, right? So it's specifically for women who want to be execs. I'm doing a free masterclass along with that. So it's my first ever free masterclass. I've never done a free you know, event before. Um, and that event will be on September 6th. So if you go to my website, you can sign up there. Um, or I'm also going to be promoting it, you know, on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm hoping that, uh, 2024 is going to be the year that I launch my podcast. So I've been thinking a lot about starting a podcast. It's been on my, like, um, my wish list. So a podcast will probably be coming in 2024. Amazing. We will look forward to it. We will drop the link for your masterclass into the show notes so everybody can just have that. And then for all the other offerings, you know, feel free to check out uh, Katie's website. That'll be in the show notes. I am just so blessed to have you today. You know, you talk about what is going to light you up. These kind of conversations just really make me so excited. Um, and this is what I love. Um, you know, when I think about what energy and what is the purpose of my podcast, you know, this is mainly it to fill up my cup. I love it. Um, and so I just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, your LinkedIn will be in the show notes too. So everywhere you guys will be able to find Katie. Um, you can drop her a line, read her content. It is so, 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 so good. And, you know, if you want to know what it takes to be an executive, or even if you're at, you know, working at the director level or trying to be at the director level, working with Katie um, can be amazing. Having a mentor really can be life-changing. I always encourage people to find a mentor at your office that can like, you know, shepherd you around, help you get in the right rooms, just meet the right people, have a coffee. But if that is not helping you get to where you need to go, working with a professional mentor and coach like Katie will definitely get you on the road. So thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, guys, this has been excellent. Please let us know if you have any other questions, what other topics you want us to talk about. You are worthy of so much more. You have the power and the ability to put yourself in a situation, in a life, in a career that you love and get the money you deserve. So speak up. If you need help, reach out. That's what we're here for. Keep getting clear and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you're just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful Newsletter has something for you. See you next week.